Good morning. You have a Bible? Take it and turn to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would, please. Ephesians chapter 3. Several of you have asked about um, our family, about Carolyn and her father, particularly because we've shared with you a little bit. And I just want to tell you, for those of you who have prayed for us, I want to thank you. We, you know, we think God has has really blessed us in the last couple weeks regarding him. For those of you who don't know, um, my father-in-law is 86 years old, and he's right at that place where he really needs to be in a care facility, but he doesn't want to leave home. Any of you know about this? Yeah. It's hard. I mean, he's just, they've been in this house for 40 years, and you know, his, his wife, um, my mother-in-law, died about five, six months ago. And Anyway, it's a very difficult thing. Carolyn, it just just has been a champion in our family and has led the way to try to get her father into a safe situation. So I just want to tell you that, uh, that there's some, been some really good progress. We think the Lord worked a miracle, is changing his heart, and, he, and we plan on actually moving him this week, So, uh, which is, means a whole lot of other stuff. But mainly I just want to tell you, thank you for praying, because we think, we've, we think of it as like a miracle. So thank, thank you. We think God has reached down out of heaven to do this for us. Um, and I don't, well, I don't know how it was long ago, three or four weeks ago, I think, um, Matt Bowen said, why don't we get together and read through the book of Ephesians and, we'll, we'll, and, and with Andrew Palau, too, because we're going to try to get Andrew to do some of the teaching in Ephesians. Um, uh, we're going to start that two weeks from today. Oh, by the way, if you're new here today and you've stepped into a time and a place where we're doing a couple of, like, church family things today and a week from today so can i just tell you this is going to be this is a little different today and next week also and then we're going to dive right into the book of ephesians uh two weeks from today's which is just an incredible place in the word of god so we got together uh, over at the palau offices and we just read through ephesians each of us read a chapter and then and we talked about it for a while and we prayed and we particularly prayed for you and we prayed that we would be good teachers of the word of god and that god would use this experience of going through the the letter that we call ephesians in the life of our church it's just an amazing place in the word of god and so i i'm really it's going to be good i'm excited about it so when we came to the end of chapter three in your bible verse 20 and 21 paul inserts right there at this sort of pivotal place in the letter that we call ephesians um, between chapter three and chapter four five and six he, he inserts this what you might call a doxology of praise to god and it's just one of those really deep places in the word of god that's full of amazing truth and when we read through that again there was four words that just leaped off the page at me they always do when we look at this place in the word of god and of course there are several words that ought to leap off the page at us when we look at these two verses but and maybe you will be able to guess which four words it is. We'll put it up on the screen here. If you, if you don't have a Bible, it goes like this. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, some of your Bibles say far more abundantly, to, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, which is pretty incredible all by itself, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, which four words do you think a pastor 
glory in the church. Glory. I mean, the rest of it is God, of course, and Christ. So, of course, those, right? Those are the key. But when I, as a pastor, I think every time I read that, I see those words, glory in the church. And my mind goes, what is that? What does that look like? How have I seen glory in the church? And then I begin to reflect upon the ways in which I see glory in the church now. But that also is like this tantalizing vision, if you will, of what could glory in the church be like? You ever, what would you say? What would you think would be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus? Notice the words, throughout all generations, forever and ever. So I want to say to you, what I'm going to share with you right now comes out of this, what I would call a hunger, a longing in my heart, and also a hunger and longing in the heart of our elders and our pastors to see in a greater degree than we have ever seen what Paul called glory in the church. I personalize it when I read that. I think, God, may there be glory at Cedar Mill Bible Church. Glory to you. And what is that? What would it look like? Last Sunday, I shared with you, and some of you have made a special effort to be here, uh, welcome high school group, especially. Glad glad that you're here. I do want you to hear this. Thank you, Mark, for allowing them to come. Um, I, we talked la- I talked last week and I shared with you that I want to talk to you this morning about some things that I think are really important for, for our church family, particularly about our leadership. So I'm not going to keep you in any suspense any longer about what is that. I, mean, I know some of you might be, have a few lengths about what is this, you know. So what... What I want to tell you about is I want to just share with you that we are working on what we call a transition plan that has to do with my role on our church staff. And what I'm doing this morning is I'm sharing with you about this as early as we possibly can share with you, even though we've been talking about this for a while, because we want you to pray. We want you to know and we want you to pray. We want you to be informed of what we're talking about. A transition plan. So... Think with me for a moment about transition. Transition simply means change. You've exper- you experience transitions all the time. When you transition from middle school to high school, this is a transition. When you transition from single to marriage, this is a transition. When you transition from a job to another job, this is a transition. You experience, you experience transitions all the time. So one of the first things I want to say to you is that transition is really normal. It's what life is about. And every transition in our life gives us another opportunity to trust God and believe God and for God to teach us things. So here's another one that's coming our way that I want want you to know about. Um, and you also know that when you make a transition, you can do it poorly. Right? right? Or you can do it really well. It can be an opportunity for you to grow and be stronger and particularly grow in your faith. And, or it can be something that weakens you and you go into like this tailspin. So I want to tell you this transition that we're talking about, I believe with all my heart that this that God has led in this and that I'm confident that this is a good thing and that this is going to help us as a church family grow together. I know it's going to help me and I believe it's also going to be be helpful to you. Now, the reality here for me is, is that, and I asked our elders for the privilege of being the first one to share this with you and they said, yeah, that would be right. But when I do this, when I stand there, I, you know, I sort of have different hats that I wear when I think about this message. And I've realized this over the few weeks I've been working on it. Is sometimes I put the hat of an elder on. I've been an elder here for 25 plus years. And so I, I join with our brothers who are elders in the church. And, and elders have, 
have a primary responsibility and oversight and authority in our church family to try to figure out how to navigate and how to lead and how to call the right staff and how and they sort of they sort of protect and oversee. So I function as an elder and then of course I'm a pastor teacher. You know, I have the privilege of teaching the word of God with you and I've been doing this for quite some time so and I and I love that. And I'm a member of the pastoral staff, so I'm a member of a team that functions together. And then I'm just a guy in the church. I'm just, you know, I'm a servant, just like you. Uh, you know, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'll sort of go be going back and forth, as I share with you, be, and putting on those sort of different hats. And, and, and I don't know any way around trying to say to you, of course, this is very personal to me, because this has to do with my position, and it has to do with, as we look at the future, it has to do with my role as pastor-teacher. So it's very personal But I want to be quick to say that this is not, and it must not, be all about me. And if you leave here thinking this is all about Carl, I will have failed. So I want you to, as best you can, I want you to understand this is really all about what is best for our church. And this is really all about what we believe, how God is leading us in our church. So this is not primarily about Carl. So if you feel some angst about this this thing, what I'm about about to sort of share share with you, then I, I want you to know a couple things. I want you to know... That no changes are going to happen immediately. And the other thing is, is that I want you to relax. And I, and I talked to Matt Bowen. I actually showed Matt this. And he said, you know, you don't, oh, how do you say it? He said, you know, we don't want to just relax because nothing's going to happen right away. Right? We don't relax about delay. We relax in the Lord. We trust in God. So I want to ask you to trust in God. And I want, to, I want you to stir up your faith and recognize that this is about God. Not about Carl or anybody else. Will you indulge me a little bit and let me share a few personal things with you, a little history, if you will. Some of you may not have heard this, so let me let me share it with you. Um, Carolyn and I are native Oregonians, and we're sort of smug about that. Um, and some of you think we came from California. We actually moved from California here, but we're, we were both born and raised in Oregon. She in Cottage Grove and I in Eugene and Springfield. Um, so we were born and raised in Oregon, and but we went to to college in San Jose, California. We met there and we got married, and and, and then we 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 got involved. Uh, actually, we, before we got married, we got involved in a really dynamic church. It was just exploding in growth. It was just a wonderful experience in our life. We got involved. I started out as a middle school youth pastor, part time, ten hours a week, and then twenty, and then forty, and then full time. You know, and we spent. <laughs> it was so full time. Um, and then, um, I forgot, forgot where I was. So we were in that church for probably, oh, 15 years. And I always thought, I want, I just want to be an associate pastor. You know, I respected the senior pastor there, and I got to teach in a Sunday school class. I got to teach the Bible, and I thought, I just always want to support this guy and be an associate. But somewhere along about 1985 or 86, this is a long time ago, 1985 or 86, I began feeling the desire to preach. And I recognized the senior pastor wasn't going anywhere. So I thought, well, I guess that means I need to go somewhere. So I began, you know, this sort of thing processed in my mind and my heart for a long, long time before I told anybody. And then I began, we began sharing with, you know, our closest friends. And, and, and they said, oh, man, we'd be really sorry to leave, see you leave, but we see this calling in your life. And then we went to our elders in our church and... and and, and there were some people who left the staff of our church that as soon as you said you might move on somewhere, I mean, the senior pastor would say, you need to clear out your office in about two weeks. You know, so, 
we went to our senior pastor and we went to our elders there and here's what they said. They said, we also see this calling in your life and we don't want you to leave, but when God calls you to go and preach somewhere, you must go and we will send you out. We will lay hands on you and send you out like missionary, like we send our missionaries out with our blessing and our, our desire and our prayers for you. And I will, I will always forget standing in front of, or always remember that, standing in front of that congregation and having some of the elders from our church, Cedar Mill Bible Church, come and stand with me and with our, the elders of that church to send us out to come here. It was in 1987 that Carolyn and I accepted the, the invitation to come to Cedar Mill Bible Church and for me to begin functioning as what we called pastor teacher. The elder said at that time, what we really want you to do is we want you to invest as much time. We know you love to teach the Bible, so, so study the Bible and teach the people the Bible. And then as best you can, love the people and do you know, all the other things that pastors need to do. So we called it pastor-teacher. And I thought, this is the greatest job in the world. I mean, these people are, teach, are, are paying me to study the Bible. You know, and so I thought, this, it does, doesn't get any better than this. And it was sweet. And so we came here, and God worked several miracles for us in those days. He gave us a deep love for the people. We met in what the high school group is now meeting, we call the chapel. You know, and, and we met there, and the people just wrapped their arms of love around us. They were ready for a new pastor to come. And they loved us and accepted us, and they had great patience as we were trying to figure out, how do you do this? Um, so many people said in those years, you know, you look right at the carpet, And I did, because I was terrified of, you know, lifting up my eyes and looking at the people. And I told people, if I look at you, I'll start thinking about you and I'll lose where I am. So I just looked at, anyway. So, anyway, people were very patient in those days. And, you know, and we were just loved. And it was such a blessing from God to be part of a church that was strong. And, you know, it was growing in the time when they didn't have a pastor. You know, they had, you know, it was... It was wonderful to be here. And it was a strong church with a long history of effectiveness, powerful small groups, strong missions emphasis, you know, a strong children's. It was just incredible to be welcomed here and to be part of this church. That has continued now for some 25 plus years. We have been blessed by this church and by so many of you, so many people. I just met with the seniors who are meeting over here, you know, and, and so many of those people have said, we pray for you every single day. And I know people who have done that for more than 25 years, prayed for us every day. These are people who love us and encourage us and have prayed for our kids. And, you know, we've walked through, we've experienced some pain with them. We've shared in their pain, they've shared in ours. It's been an incredible privilege for us in these years to see the faithfulness of God's people. And when I, when I look around now, I realize again that, that God has still carrying out some of those key ministries and priorities that were part of the church family way back in 27 years when we came. And they were part of the church family for 30 and 40 years before we came. You know, strong commitments to world evangelization, to world missions, strong commitment to children's ministry, a strong desire to disciple young people, uh, you know, a strong desire to, I mean, build community among groups. There was just so many rich things that have that have gone on and have continued so those core things are crucial. And, and then God has raised up, in, particularly in recent years, new ministries that just bless me. I mean, I, I see some things and I think, oh, this is good. Things like the Jesus table, you know, and Celebrate Recovery and, you know, so many other things that, that God has done. The prison ministry, uh, 
I see again and again your personal witness for Christ in the com- your community, your schools, your neighborhood. Uh, it's just uh, this whole emphasis again on community and 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 really not just having small groups, but having them truly be community. It's just just been really good. I'm privileged in these years to serve as a pastor and as an elder, and I love that pastoral staff, and I love our elders. I love them and I respect them. One of the things that we do in that position as pastors and elders is that we have to lift up our eyes every now and then from the sort of immediate things that are happening in our church family and the immediate needs, and which is not an easy thing to do, is to sort of lift up and look over that. We must look up over that and we've got to look out into the future. That is one of the primary tasks of leadership, is to look into the future and try to discern as best you can what needs to happen in this church for the future. One of the things that has become abundantly clear to us is that, of course, our world is dramatically changing. And for those of you who have been around for a while, you know that that change is accelerating. The cultural changes have been accelerating. This world is a very different place than it was 25 years ago. This community is a very different place than it was 25 years ago. I mean, we live in a world that that is just absolutely full of immense challenges as a follower of Jesus Christ, and it's full of immense opportunities for us. So I want you to think with me, what would glory in the church look like, not now or even a year from now, but 10 years from now? This is what has been running through our minds for some time now. We've been thinking about the next generation, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, 20 years, when these high school students are now in their teens and late teens are 35 years old and married and have three kids. What will the church be? This is not the church of the future. This is the church of now. But what is it going to be like 10 years from now? And what will the church look like? What must the church look like in America? You are aware, I, I believe, that the, that the influence of the church of Jesus Christ in America is declining as you look back. What are we going to do about that? What must happen? What kind of new thinking and bold leadership is going to be necessary for this church to move into the next 10 or 20 years with power? And to see God do things that we have never, ever seen before. How are we going to reach multiple cultures and multiple generations for Christ? How can we even navigate now multiple cultures and multiple generations? How how can we best serve the community? This is what we've been talking about. So with this in mind, a future kind of look that's not just about this year or next year, but 10 years down the road or longer... With this in mind, six months ago, I presented to our elders what I call a transition plan. That transition plan recommends, here's the nuts and bolts of it, is that recommends that in 2013, here we are, we begin to search for what we call a new lead pastor. And that by June of 2014, that hopefully God will have provided that man and that he will come in and begin to give leadership to our staff team. And so that is the plan right now that we're talking about, an 18-month plan. It could happen sooner, of course. Maybe it will happen longer. But our plan is that we've targeted June of 2014 as a reasonable date to have, hopefully, this process completed, which will mean that we will have a new lead pastor, and I will have yielded my role as pastor-teacher. 
That's the transition plan that we're talking about. Did you understand that? Every now and then I'm going to need you to nod your head to me to make sure that I've clearly communicated. If you go, then, okay. So our elders unanimously agreed with that plan. They said, this is a reasonable plan. This is a good plan. It gives us enough time to actually work through the things that need to happen. We need to actually start this search process. We need to figure out what kind of a man are we looking for. Uh, what, what is needed as we look at our staff and our leadership and our ministries and our goals and priorities for the next decade or two. How can we sort of position the church to move into the future? So we've been talking about this for six months or so. We've been discussing, we've been praying, we've been, we've been talking a lot about it, we've been meeting together, and we're confident that God's leading in this plan. We're confident also that the timing of it is adequate to, to do the things that we know need to happen. Let me pause right here. Some of you might be tripped up on the term lead pastor. Um, all I can say to you is please don't be. Um, we went through a whole bunch of different titles, you know, trying to senior pastor, you know, pastor teacher, no pastor teacher, what, you know, so we, we went through a bunch of these and every one of them has their sort of their own baggage, if you will. You know, you sort of interpret it. So relax about the title. Um, this is the best one we've been able to come up with. And we actually like the idea, the term lead pastor, primarily because we believe that this fellow that we're looking for is going to be needs to be primarily gifted in leadership. And not that he wants to be in charge of everything. In fact, we don't want that. We don't want somebody who wants to be controlling everything, in charge of everything, but someone who will lead our team, who will be a team leader. Someone who is gifted, someone who knows about equipping the saints, someone who knows about, who is experienced in leading a staff and leading a church like ours. Someone who understands about team ministry and and. And somebody who, is, of course, is humble and yet also has vision. And somebody who wants to see glory in the church. So that's why the term lead. We want a leader. And then we want, of course, that guy has got to be somebody who loves the church and loves people. Hence the word pastor, a lead pastor. That's what we're focusing on right now. This, this has got to be someone that is God's man for us. Somebody with strong gifts and strong experience. And yet somebody who is also just so longs to come here and be with us and to help us move towards what it is that God wants us to become in the next, again, 10 or 20 years. So our elders, of which I am a member, and we operate on unanimity, we agree together, we make unanimous decisions, we're persuaded about the importance of seeking God's wisdom and blessing in this. We know that God might have something in mind for us that we don't we don't know right now, right? I mean, you make your plan, but then you yield to the Lord. I think the Bible says something about that. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to make our plan, and we're trying to ask God to guide us through it. So for clarity's sake, let me repeat to you that we're implementing a plan now that reaches out about one and a half years from now, and that plan is to begin immediately a search for what we're calling a lead pastor. As soon as we have this search team and the process down in place, then we're going to open up this search. And we're telling you this now as early as possible so that you will pray and that we will have time to plan and that we will be walking together and grow in faith through this process because we know it's going to be a time of transition and some change. Uh, we f- fully realize that God is the Lord of the church and we will submit to him and then how he wants to lead us. But this is the plan. Okay, so that's it, basically. Now, what I've done is, these past weeks, I've thought to myself, right about at this point, I wonder what questions people will have in their minds. 
So I've actually guessed about some questions that you should have in your minds right now. And so I'm going to tell you those. And, and you can tell me back later whether or not I even came close to the kind of questions that you have in your mind. So let me suggest what I'm sure you're asking. Okay? One of them is, why are you telling us this now rather than waiting until you had it all figured out? Sounds a little you know, like you don't know everything. Right. So there are reasons for that, though, and I believe really good reasons. Let me tell you some of them. The first one, at least that I would put first, because it's very personal for me. And this is not the primary motivation of our elders, but it's my primary motivation. And I asked them, and I've shared with them over the years that this is what I've always felt. And it goes something like this. I've always been personally committed, just personally in my own heart, to not take the church by surprise about these things. I've always been personally committed to want, as soon as I thought something was up in my own heart about maybe a change in my role for the future, I have always wanted to tell you just as soon as possible, as early as possible, because I don't want to take God's people by surprise. And the the reason for that is because we love you. Because Carol and I love you, and you're our church family, and we would just never want to say, surprise, we're leaving. You know, we just don't want to do that. And so that's one of the primary reasons, is we want to let you know as early as possible. Another thing as elders is is we want to be as open and transparent with you as possible about what we've been talking about. We want to let you know so that you know what we've been talking about. This is not a secret, and it's not intended to be a secret. Now, elders can't tell you everything that they talk about, but there are some crucial things about the future of the church in particular that we need to tell you about, and this is one of those crucial things. Another reason we're telling you this so early is that we're committed to a plan that allows enough time for us to accomplish some of the things that are pretty challenging as we carefully seek God's leading. When you talk about bringing somebody else in who will be a leader, particularly in a church, we want to do this really carefully. And we believe this plan gives us the time to navigate that and to prepare for that and to hopefully carry it out. Perhaps the main reason we're telling you this now is so that you will pray. I want to enlist you this morning to pray. Now, we ask you to pray all the time. And I, I'm i like you. When somebody says, will you pray? I go, yeah. You know what? I'm asking you to pray about this. When we came here in 1987... Um, in those days, nobody had iPhones and, you know, kept, you know, they didn't find out their time, uh, you know, from a phone. They had this really ancient thing called a wristwatch, you know. And when I looked around at the church, one of the things that I noticed that when you look down the row and people, they're, you know, they'd be reading the Bible and I'd see their wristwatch. And, and it seemed like almost everybody in the church had a little tiny dot, like a paper dot that they had stuck to the center of their watch. You know, and I wasn't here very long. I said, well, what's with the dots? You know, is this some kind of cult or what? You know, and, and they said, you know what that is, Pastor? That is a reminder that every time we look at the watch, we pray for God to send a new preacher. And I thought, whoa, we've got hundreds of people praying for this. Oh, I want to ask you to pray about this. This is crucial. So those are some of the reasons why we're telling you now. Another question that you probably have in your mind is why this change? Why? 
Why, why are we doing this? The, the simplest answer, I believe, is that we believe it's now time for us as servant leaders, that's elders, of the church family to seriously and prayerfully embrace a plan for ministry and for leadership that stretches out into the next 10 and 20 years. We're trying to figure out what the church should look like and what kind of leadership and what kind of core values that we have now are going to move into the future and what other new things God might have for us. The truth is, of course, is that we have no intention of changing the core values of our church. I was just meeting with the seniors and somebody asked me, are you going to, are we still going to teach the Bible here? And, and I wanted to love them and I wanted to rebuke them at the same time, you know. I want to tell you, our elders are not going to give up teaching the Word of God here. We believe in the Scripture. And, you know, right? So some of the core values of, uh, that, that we have embraced, the church has embraced for 60-some years, long before we ever came, are going to continue. Those are not going to change. However, having said that, ministry and the way in which ministry is done is going to have to change. There has to be some new things developing. And when you start thinking about If you could just try to visualize the church, Cedar Mill Bible Church, if you would go away for 10 years and come back and walk into a worship service or go to one of the community groups or sense what's happening in the community of Cedar Mill and into Beaver, what what would it look like? How would it be different? That's what we're talking about. So what we know is, is that the core things, the values, if you will, the principles, the truth of the Word of God, And some of the ministries will continue pretty much unchanged. But then there's a whole bunch of other things that God is doing right now and has already called us to do and we're moving in those areas. But then there's surely some more things as we look at 10 or 20 years. So this transition thing might come as a bit of a surprise to you. You might think, oh, I don't don't quite get this. But I think, I believe that when you reflect more deeply about it, you will recognize a couple things. I think you'll recognize this is really normal for a church family to go through. It's really normal for all of us to think about. None of us are going to be here forever, right? So transition is a certainty for us. And I think you will come to the conclusion that you'll be confident that our elders and our pastors are looking into the future and they want to be wise about this. And this gives us time to share our thinking and then to establish some other times to share with you about sort of where we're going. So another question you might have is, So what happens now? What's going to happen like now right away? Um, I want to say to you there's not going to be any immediate changes in my role, uh, nor in any of our staff roles. Dan Larson is going to continue to lead our staff. I report to Dan. He's going to continue to lead our staff like he has been. Uh, he's He's going to continue as executive pastor. I will continue to do the majority of the Sunday morning teacher, teaching. Matt will certainly do a lot of it. And we, maybe we can pull Andrew Palau or maybe some others into it also. So, Matt. Matt wasn't here last week or last hour, so I talked about him. But now he's here, so I have to be more careful. What, what I'm about to say. But, no, I'll say, the, I'll say the same thing. Regarding Matt, some of you... Some of you might be thinking, well, the elders have already sort of anointed Matt to take this position, you know, and so that decision maybe has already been made. Um, I want to tell you a couple things. One is, no, that decision has not been made. Um, but we know that Matt is a gifted, you know, really a gifted, powerful young man for God. We know that God is going to call him and he's going to put him in a position like this at some time in some place uh, to lead a church. But for this particular position, listen to me very carefully now, 
it's really premature for me to say anything about an individual, about Matt or anybody else, because our elders are still working through the list of the things that are required for this position, and that, that task has not been completed yet. And they also deeply believe that we need to open this up to a nationwide search. So I think what I can tell you is that Matt will certainly be considered by our elders on this, but we want to open it up to a wide, wide search. Does this make sense to you? Okay? All right, good. So we expect this process to take some time. That's why we've said like 18 months. We have no plans to change our current leadership team for for months to come. And we're working on the steps of this plan. And and I want to say to you also, we're going to set up some specific times for the elders and probably the pastors to communicate with you and for us to sort of, as we go along, to navigate this. Because we want to keep you informed. We're going to try to figure out different ways to do this. We'll do it by email and, you know, on the church website probably and, and other ways. But we'll probably also call some meetings where we'll just update you on what's going on. Now, most of the elders are here this morning, and they are available this morning if you want to talk to one of them. If you have a really, really difficult question, ask them. <laughs> Actually, I'm an elder, too, so you can ask me, too. So, But, brothers, can I ask you one more time, wherever you are, would you stand up just so our people can know where you are? And these are our elders. Love them and trust them. Thank you, brothers. Another question you're probably asking is, What do you expect of us? I'm glad you asked that. Um, What do you expect of us now? A couple things, actually several. I ask you to remain faithful to God and remain faithful to your church in these days. Now you say, what do you mean by that? I, I I, I mean by that, look, you need to just dig deep and realize one more time, this is not Carl's church, never has been. Never will be. It's not the elders' church. It's not the pastor's church. It is the church of Christ. He is the Lord of the church, and he is the one who tells us. He is the one who gives orders and directs us, and we submit to him. So I want you to say, I just want you to realize one more time that we depend upon Christ in all of this. Another thing I want you to do, ask you to do is I want to ask you to make sure that you don't let a focus on an individual, whoever that individual might be, take away from your confidence in God. That our trust in the, is in God and not in a man. We are not putting our hope and faith and trust in a lead pastor. Don't get the idea that our elders are you know, putting all their hope into a man. We're not. We're putting our hope in God who will hopefully provide us with somebody who will help us as a team function more effectively. Of course, this also means to be faithful to your church family. It means that you belong to each other. I mean, right? You have a community here. You have family here. You have people that, that love you and, and want to see you, and you belong here. And so this is your church family. Another thing this means is that you just accept transition as normal. You just recognize, look, this is one of the flows of life that happens to us. And so we trust God in the midst of change. I just want to repeat to you, this is your family. And when you anticipate change in your family, then particularly those who are mature need to stand firm. And they need to continue. And Which leads me to the next thing, and maybe again the main thing that I've said before and we'll say again. We ask especially that you seriously pray about this. We need God both to show us the way and we need God to provide for us. God is the one 
who we are dependent upon to, to, to help us, that God will enable us to make this process, by the way. And, and by the way, this is another thing I want to ask you specifically to pray. For those of you who are actually taking notes and you will actually pray, will you pray for this? I asked our elders when I first laid out this idea to them, I said, my prayer is that this period of time will be what I called a joyful and peaceful process and experience in our church. A joyful and peaceful experience in our church family. My friends, we know how to do it badly. And we're just asking God, will you show us how to do it well? And we depend upon you as God's people to respond with maturity in this. And we depend upon you to, to see and to experience the peace of God and the joy of God if this troubles you a little bit. Now, you, if you're not troubled at all by, oh, fine, you know. But I'm just saying if it troubles you some, then I want you especially to commit yourself to make this a joyful, united, peaceful process. Uh, we do want your feedback. If you've got questions or concerns, I, I want to tell you the elders are open today and will be open in the days to come. You can ask us anything. We may not be able to have the full answer, but we are open at any time to any question by any method that you want, you want to ask us. Another thing that I want to ask you, that I expect of you, my brothers and sisters, I, I want to ask you to trust our servant leaders. I ask you to trust our elders. The, by the way, you know that these men are not paid for this, right? These are volunteer guys who we have called to serve in this capacity. And they're not paid anything for it. They're carrying, which is a, something that's a substantial burden and responsibility. And so we ask you to honor them as elders. The Bible talks about that. I ask you to be especially supportive of them and encouraged to them. Uh, they're not getting any money for this, but they do need the prayers of our people. And they're serving God, just like you're serving God in the area that God's called you. So they need you to pray for them. And they need your support also. Can I ask you also to support and encourage our staff in these days? If you know one of our pastors very well, will you just reach out to them and encourage them and bless them however you can? Anytime we talk about a change in the staff structure or leadership, it makes people a little uneasy, right? So I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I just know that's what happens. It would make me uneasy. Uh, so I just I want you to know that and encourage them as you can. One more thing. This is not something I'm asking of you. This is an exhortation. So I say this in love. My brothers and sisters, I expect you not to gossip about this. I expect you not to conjecture about this. And, and this, will, this will be key in making sure that this is a united, peaceful, joyful process. Now you say, what is gossip? Well, gossip is when you hear something or you start something that isn't based upon fact, or, or you repeat something that somebody has said to you that isn't based upon fact, and you repeat to someone else who then repeats to someone else, and after a while it gets really bizarre. Now, sometimes we do this in the form of a prayer request. My friends, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't gossip about this. Don't repeat anything that is not based upon fact. And by the way, I'm telling you everything we know right now, and that's why it's taking a while. So, you know, if it's not based upon something I've already said to you, then it's probably not factual. If it's not something you get directly from the elders, then it's probably not, not factual. So don't repeat anything. I said the word conjecture also. The word conjecture is guessing. 
And sometimes what happens is, is that people hear something, and, and particularly if they're not used to the church, or if, if you don't know me, you might think, you know, oh, he's talking like a politician now. And there's probably a whole bunch of hidden agenda items behind the scenes or secrets that he isn't telling us, and, and he's trying to sort of, you know, what's, what's the word you use? Um, you know, paint it in a certain way. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and so people sort of think that's probably happening in the church. Or maybe you're thinking that there's some kind of hidden agenda that the elders have that I'm not sharing with you. And so conjecture is the whole idea that I'm guessing something like that might be true. And so he's not telling us everything and, and there's some kind of maybe hidden secrets. My, my friends, it dishonors spiritual shepherds for you to do something like that. So I ask you, don't go there. It also creates division and a little bit of anxiety among people. So we, I want to tell you, we and I as elders are of one mind and one heart on this. And so we join with you, we ask you to join with us, that is, in seeking God in this whole thing. We want it to be joyful and peaceful. Now I have to do one other, one other thing, actually two other things. I have to assure you of a couple of things. I wish I didn't have to, but I do. I have to, I want to assure you that I am not being forced to leave our staff. Please don't even suggest that that's true. I am not being forced to leave our staff. I am the one who personally recommended this plan to our elders. And I'm frankly very much looking forward to what God's going to do to teach us in this time. How he's going to meet our needs and how he's going to meet the needs of the church. I want to tell you this is not happening because I have some disease. Now you laugh at that with that, but a few years ago we were doing something somewhat similar, badly, and I heard from somebody in the lobby, I heard that you have severe cancer. I said, well, I wonder how that ever, you know. So, Lord willing, I don't have any significant disease. I'm old, but that's it. So, <laughs> I want to tell you that this is not happening because there's some sin in my life. There's not any more sin right now than there has been for some time. So, right? So you're the same way, so don't laugh. Okay. I, w- I have to tell you that this is not happening because I've been immoral or unfaithful to my wife. I've been faithful to this woman for 40 years, and I have no intention of changing now. I want to make sure you know this. Well, so then, having brought up Carolyn... Um, I do want to ask you to pray for us. Will you do this? This is personal now. I want to ask you to pray for us because we're not at all certain what this future holds for us, what ministry God's going to lead us into. We're confident in God, but we're not, we we just, we're one more time, like way back in 1986, stepping out in faith and saying, oh God, we're available, you know, or we think we're available, What, what do you want to do? I want to tell you that we have absolutely no intention of retiring I mean, I don't have the financial ability to retire, and even if I didn't, I would. If I did, I wouldn't, because frankly, I believe as long as you know you have any ability as a pastor teacher, you got to keep teaching the word of God and loving people, and that's what I want to do. I want to, if God gives me the strength, I'd love to be able to keep doing that for another ten or fifteen years if God enables me. So if you ask us, if you ask Carolyn or me, so what's up with you guys? We will have to say something. We, we won't have to. We will say something like we're confident in God and confident in God's leading. But we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We don't know how he's going to lead. You know, there's some ideas that we have. You know, maybe God wants us to serve in another church. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll pursue this whole thing of going overseas to help train pastors. I love that. But I so love the church. You know, I, w- I want to teach and 
you know, I want to love people. So we we just don't know. And so we'll tell you we don't know. And so we'll ask you, will you pray for us during this time? And if you know us and if you love us, then I ask you to pray. And by the way, that's another reason for giving some time for this transition. Our elders have very generously said, yeah, okay, up to 18 months, that's cool. And and that gives us a time to, gives us an opportunity to look. One more thing I want to share with you. I want to tell you just a, a word about my desire to finish well. I showed this to my wife, and my wife said, if you start talking about finishing well, they're going to think you're talking about dying. Um well, in a sense, yeah, I, I guess I have two things that I want to finish well in. One is I do want to finish well right up to the time that I die or the Lord comes. That'd be great. So, right, but I, I do want to, I want to remain faithful. I think that I'm still learning. I still want to learn. I want to be more effective for the kingdom. I, you know, I want to be more submissive to him. I, you know, I have a long ways to go yet in being transformed in the likeness of Christ. And, and I want to come right up to that time when I exit this world. And I want to finish well for him. But I also want now, in these days, to continue well. And so for me, that means I'm still the pastor teacher of Cedar Mill Bible Church and will be for some months to come. And so that means that I want to open the word of God with you. I'm praying that God will give me the privilege of opening the word of God with you for some months ahead. And I want to be faithful in this calling that God has given to me. I don't feel released yet from that calling. But I believe it's coming. And so I want to just tell you that I intend to remain faithful to teach the word and shepherd the flock and do whatever it is that our staff and our pastors and elders feel like I should be doing. So here it is. I want to ask you that if you would, together with me and all of our elders, pursue, give yourself to a kind of vision, if you will. That vision goes something like this. It stretches out, let's say, 18 months from now. Maybe sooner, maybe whatever. Whatever God wants to do. I'd like for you to think about when we stand or when we join together as a church family, say 18 months from now or 12, whatever it's going to be, I, I long for us to be able to turn around and look back at this process and to see that God stirred up our faith and helped us to learn from this and helped us to realize how normal this is, but also taught us about being faithful to him and, and he did new things in our midst, just like the church grew so well during the period of time when they didn't have a pastor here before we came, that God would do some really wonderful things during this period of time and that we would have a joyful, peaceful, encouraging, powerful experience and that God would do new things among us. And then when we stand in that place and when we look down into the future, when we look into 10 years or so that we're, we're really excited about what God is doing. That's what I'm hoping. And I do hope, my brothers and sisters, that someday I'll be able to stand in this place and put my arm around some younger man and that you and I will be, and our elders will be confident that God has provided and that you will be delighted and you'll be confident that this is a man who loves God and loves people and, and is somebody that God has brought to unite our team together so that there will be glory in the church more than we've ever seen. This is what I hope to see. Meanwhile, two weeks from now, we're going to start Ephesians. So read Ephesians, if you would. Back again to this verse. Glory in the church. Would you think about that? Glory in our church. What would that look like?
What would it mean? How can there be the kind of glory that Christ wants for our church? There, when I look around, of course, I see glory in the church. When I, you know, I, I heard about the, you know, the high school disciple, the D groups, the disciples. This is glory in the church. Their passion to reach out for Jesus, you know, in all kinds of wonderful ways. This is glory in the church. When you go down and you see the people teaching our little children about Jesus, this is glory in the church. When you gather together in your small group and you love one another and you involve other people that don't know Jesus, yet this is glory in the church. I mean, there is glory in the church happening all kinds of different ways right now. But I want to say to you, I think there's more that God has for us. Do you have an appetite for that? Do you long to see that? What could happen at Cedar Mill Bible Church? Will you think about more glory at Cedar Mill Bible Church? And, of course, the reality is there's going to be more glory in Cedar Mill Bible Church if there's more glory in my life and in your life. As you reach out, as you love Christ, as you walk with him, as you're faithful, as you submit to the word of God, as you are filled with the spirit, as you are bold, as you reach out, then the more glory there is to God in your life, the more glory to God there's going to be in us together. All right, that's it. You get it? You okay with it? Okay, then. Done my job. But let's not end up our time together thinking about a transition plan. Let's end up our time focusing on Jesus one more time. So we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Will you bow your heads with me and let's prepare our hearts to do that. Father, one more time, you give us the privilege of taking a piece of bread and drinking a little cup remind us of the body and the blood of our Savior. We give you praise again for the greatness of your love for us. That you sent your own Son to give his life for us. That we could have eternal life forever with you. We give you glory that your intent is for there to be glory in the church. The church in heaven and the church on earth. And that your intent is for that glory to be to your name and in your Son, Jesus Christ, for all generations, every generation. And that you intend for that glory to be forever and ever. We're so grateful that you've invited us in by the body and the blood of Jesus. So we ask you to help us to worship him now. We help us to shove other things aside in our mind and focus only on Jesus Will you help us to praise him now and to be grateful for the cross one more time and the resurrection? Will you help us to know and feel a little bit again of the greatness of your love for us? Let us feed on Christ at this moment, we pray. In his name, amen.